0: I'm going to wrap up this morning, our series that we've been doing turned out, to, has started as a one message and it's turned into three weeks because that's my philosophy. It's just like, it's like, why, why just do a little of something? So we're trying to deal with identity theft and preventing identity theft in your spiritual life. How do I prevent identity theft in my spiritual life? Let me catch us up to where we are when we talk about this. And 1 Peter 2 and 9, that's, that's our main scripture. And they can pull that up one more time for, for us. 1 Peter 2 and 9. I'm not going to use a whole lot of scripture. I've used it over the last two weeks, a whole bunch of scripture. I'll quote some today just rapidly, but I'm not uh, telling them to keep up with me today. I just want to wrap up, really just wrap up what I've been talking about in this one context. But you are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood a holy nation, His own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. That's your identity. That's who you are. In this world, as a Christian, that's who you have been called to be. And it's as simple as that. The problem is, is the enemy has one job and one main job, and that's to rob you of that identity to steal from you the identity that God has given you. Let me give you the five things that we've walked through so far and just briefly just catch us up. Number one, we understood that you personally are a reflection of something. Everything else in the world is a substance, but you are a reflection. You are reflecting something. If somebody sees you walk in a room, you are a drug addict. You, You are a liar. You, you're, you're an adulterer, or you're a fornicator, you, and you, you can't trust that. You have an identity, and, and if you don't know what it is, just walk into the room where your family is and say, what do y'all think when I walk in the room? Well, here, Kaope ain't angry, because he's always angry. You have an identity, and you're reflecting that identity all the time. So the enemy understands that and the enemy comes at you and says, I want to detach you from your God identity and I want to give you an identity or a reflection so that when people see you, they don't see you as something better or something great. They see you as something, oh Lord, here they come again. Nobody wants to walk into a room. Nobody wants to, to have that. So Satan's only attack then is against your identity. We talked about how he attacked Jesus in identity, how he, talked, how he attacked Eve in her identity, Number two, we learned that you are called to be God-like, but you're not called to be like God. You are not God. So when I choose a different identity, when I'm going against the identity that God's given me, it's always the same reason. It's always because I have seen something that I think that if I walk away from God and I choose this, my life will be better. If, If I do this, my life will be better. If if I'm an adulterer, if I cheat on my wife, my life will be better. If If I lie about this, my life will be better. That sounds strange, but that's what you're thinking. Because God is saying, I've given you everything. You already have everything you need. Trust me, and what I've given you is enough. And if you need more in time, I will supply it. As you grow, I will give it to you. No, I want it now. I want it right now. And that becomes the battle within us. So, number two, we're called to be like, God-like, to live like God, to imitate God, to reflect God, but not to become God. So, number three, that means that when we must live a life that is a born-again life, just like you told Nicodemus, you must be born again. We talked about what it is to be born again, to be formed is how you were started out when God formed you in your mother's womb, He made you. The world and Satan and all the stuff in this old junky world got a hold of you, the very nature you have, and deformed you. That's why all of us in this room, I can't when I say you're an alcoholic or this, we all have been something. And if you haven't, you've been lying to yourself an awful long time. Either you're something that you have an identity and the enemy has found something to stick to you and God has to come along back into your life and say, I've taken what I formed and the world deformed and now I come back to transform it. That's his process. That's why the church many times doesn't work, especially in our Pentecostal church. Because we don't want to be close to each other or connected to each other. We are are the least connected we are all image and suit and tie and look good and sound good and sound like you got it all under control. And one trip to an altar will fix you. Man, if we can just lay our hands on you and pray for you, that's the biggest bunch of garbage you'll ever hear. Because that's totally contrary to what the Bible says. Do not get me wrong. You can be reborn. You can be rededicated. You can be re- reignited. You can be filled again with the Spirit. But let me tell you how your life will change. You must be transformed. He didn't. He didn't say, you, know, "You want to get fixed? Just let somebody put oil on your forehead." And I'm telling you, bam, you will be the husband, the wife, the coworker. You will. You will never have. No, that's not. It is in the process of it. Do not get me wrong. Without that in my life, I wouldn't have accomplished everything. I wouldn't have become what I am. I need those moments where people pray for me. I need those refreshings of the Spirit. I need all of those things. But listen to me. It has taken a lifetime of transformation of me surrendering and allowing God to transform me from glory to glory to glory to glory to get to the place he wants. So when you look at your life, don't get frustrated. You're like, I'm not there yet. God hadn't quit. God's not through. But you don't know all I've done. And God does, and he still isn't through. God hasn't given up. God hasn't stopped. He understands that this is a transformation. We talked about that. Next one was we talked about prosperity, then is not about your going, and not about where you're trying to get to, but prosperity is who you're becoming. So when we deal with God and we talk about transparency, which is number four, and transformation, when we talk about that, then it leads us to the final thing. So my prosperity then is not where I have arrived, my prosperity is not what I have in my bank account, my prosperity is not what I'm driving, my prosperity is none of those things. If that's what you think, then you're always going to feel like you're less than because you don't have as good as you want. You're always like, if I ever get there. No, that's the wrong way to see life. The best way to see life is simply, I am not everything I want to be, but I'm a long way from where I used to be. And that's how I live my life every day. And Pastor Lot, are you where you want to be? No. I hadn't walked on water yet. I keep standing in my bathtub trying all the time, and it just hasn't happened. But the fact is, is that I get up every single day, and the mindset is, I'm not everything I want to be. But I guarantee you, I'm not what I used to be. And the same one who started the process is the same one who said, to him, I'll finish it. I'm, not, I'm, I'm going to keep the process. So so my prosperity is not what I have my prosperity is who I'm becoming. It's it's who I'm becoming. What I used to be that I'm not anymore. So the, every time the enemy drags you back to what you used to do, let's say let's say you're someone who, who who quit lying. You Used to lie all the time when you were growing up. Man, you'd lie and just try to get out of every situation. Every time you was from a kid, did you do that? No, I didn't do. It. You would lie, and 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 then going through life, it just became a habit. And then God God gave you rebirth. You started being transformed. Man, you've gone years, and it's like everything is good and everything. And then all of a sudden, something really pressure comes on, and you told another lie. Well, the enemy at that moment does what? He pulls you back and says, see, that's who you are. God says, no, get up, you make a mistake, ask for forgiveness, and let's keep moving. And that is your battle every day of your life from now on. From the moment you're saved, Whether it, what, no matter what the circle, no matter what the condition is, yours may be different than mine, but it's the same battle. The enemy is constantly trying to drag you back, give you your old identity. God's trying to say, no, that person died. You're not that person anymore. Let me give you your new identity. Now, here again, I preached all of that last week, so in the last two weeks. So let me get to where I meant to get to at the beginning. This sheet of paper right here, this sheet of paper is where I wanted to get to three weeks ago. And all it is, is I pulled offline how to protect your identity. That was all it was. I was just, it was me and God, God was like, I was talking about identity theft and God was like, hey look at that, let's go, go research that and, and, and the website just came up. Ten ways to protect your personal identity. I thought, that is so cool. That is ten little steps that I can do that. And I'm going to read them to you. And this is what started all this in me and God. And so here's what it says. It says, ten ways to protect your personal identity from theft. Number one, destroy the records and statements that you have laying around. Do not leave loose papers. Do not leave your credit card number on anything. Don't take a picture of it and leave it on your phone forever. Don't do that. Don't leave important information, uh, private records later. Number two, secure your mail. It even says, you know what, get a post office. Don't mail it out of a regular. A post office, people can't steal your mail. People can't do this, so, so do this. Don't leave a paper trail. Don't leave a paper trail. Don't leave an ATM credit card or receipts behind. Number five says, never let your credit card out of your sight. Number six, know who you're dealing with. Number seven, take your name off marketers' hit lists. Number eight, be more defensive with personal information. Number nine, monitor your credit card. And number 10, review your credit card statement carefully every time you get one to see where you're at. Now, that's just what he said. And God says, do you see it? And so in the spiritual, I'm fixing to give you the five. There was 10 of those, but I'm going to give you five that gives you the protection you need from your spiritual identity. Number one. They use the phrase, destroy uh, all your documents, do all this. Let me give it to you, what you have to do. In the spiritual identity, you have to destroy all past records of your life. You've got to move past your past. You cannot keep dragging along all of your old stuff. You can't keep leaving stuff out there. In fact, it says it this way, tear it up. I love that when it when it says, tear it up. Burn it. Get rid of it. Don't play with it anymore. Don't think about it. Don't meditate on it anymore. Destroy your past records. So when people talk to me, they say, "Well, tell me about Tim Lott. I I, I don't know nothing about no Tim Lott. I don't want You never wanted to meet Tim Lot. I've said that a million times. You you wouldn't have liked Tim Lot. What why? Because I destroyed all those personal records. There is no past records. I'm not going to sit down and have some conversation with you about stuff I used to do. I'm not going to sit down and talk about how bad it used to be and all the stuff I use, every now and then you may get a glimpse of it in a story that helps relate it, but we're not going to have long conversations. Why? Because those personal records were destroyed a long time ago. I don't have any desire to bring all of that back up. God has made me a new creation. He has gave me a new identity and I'm not going to redeem myself through my past identity. So when somebody looks at you and says, well, I remember you. Well, that was a dead man. Just get used to saying that. Well, that person died. Oh, I don't believe it. Well, I don't care what you believe. I'm telling you, it died. I destroyed them records. Nobody's paying for your attention, or opinion. Nobody gives care. I'm just telling you what happened. It died. Number two, here's what you have to do. In the spiritual realm, not only do you have to destroy that so you don't keep regurgitating and keep living in it. Number two, some things then have to go. Don't put yourself out there. Look at the person beside you and say, don't put yourself out there. Here's what it said. Secure your mail. I like that. Secure your mail. Don't leave a paper trail. Some things, you don't need to be sharing your stuff with everybody. Why do you think I don't have Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or whatever else y'all got? Or Tiki and Flimmy Flam or whatever else it is out there now. Why? don't you? Why, why? Because I ain't out there. If anybody has a problem, they'll come talk to me about a problem and we'll deal with a problem. But my information, you wouldn't do that with your credit card. You wouldn't take all your credit card information. You wouldn't take all your, your, your and, and, and say, guys, I just want everybody to know I have $2.56 in my bank account right now. I just thought I'd let the whole world know on Facebook. You wouldn't do that. But you sure get on there and say, y'all be praying for me. I've really thought about quitting everything, and I've just about done all I can do. I'm thinking, why would you put your spiritual information out on in the world so the world can pick at it and look at it and talk about it? I don't want to know what's in your bank account. The only person that wants to know that is the devil in the world, and they don't need to know. You don't share it with anything else, so why in the world do you allow other people into your life? Anybody walks up to you, well, tell me what's going on. And you just just explode, just, well, it happened, and my husband done this and this done it. I'm thinking, you are really dumb. Protect. Secure your mail. Don't leave a paper trail. Number three, protect or never let your credit card out of your sight. Never let your credit When I get in more trouble up here with my credit card, because I have a church credit card, because I have one, and everybody around here, hey, I need to get something. Can I borrow your. And when it leaves my site, it's amazing how a month later it doesn't come back with a receipt. And then when I have to have receipts, I'm like, all right, somebody got my credit card. And I need to know who in the world charged something at Dollar General. What are you saying? Don't let it out of your sight. Or in the in the spiritual world, listen this way. Protect your identity through Scripture. Protect your identity. Keep it close to you. What do you mean, Pastor? Well, let me give you some help. And, and all you need to do is just go online, and, and it'll be real simple. Just get to a computer, go online, and just pull down my identity in Christ, or or who I am in Jesus or whatever you want to just put and in scriptures just say scriptures that tell me you're going to find, you're going to find 50 of them, 20 of them, 30. Let me give you some help. Print them off. And as you're going through your day, just flip through them and read them. Lord, look what I look who I am. L- let me give you an instance. So if you were here this morning, if you were somebody that's like I'm struggling with identity, I would say let me help you. Genesis 1 and 27 said, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God created him male and female. You have an identity. 2 Corinthians 5 and 17 says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. 1 Peter 2 and 9, we just read that, that you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light how about Jeremiah 1 and 5 therefore I formed you in the belly I, I, before I formed you in the belly I knew you and before thou camest forth out of the womb I sanctified you and I ordained you a prophet to the nations how about first John 3 1 through 3 behold what manner of love the father hath bestowed upon Tim lot that's what it says in the Bible it just says it just like that it says that Tim lot should be called the son of God therefore the world does not know Tim lot because it didn't know his Savior Jesus Christ but love now are we the sons of God and it doth not yet appear what we shall be but we know that when he shall appear we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is and every man that has this hope inside of him purifies himself I don't need anybody else to get on my case I don't need somebody else to tell me I need to do better I'm living every day knowing he's coming back to meet me and to get me because my name is there and my life is there and he says Tim in between that time just purify and make yourself as good as possible the best bride possible and that's your job Colossians 3 1 through 4 if ye then be risen with Christ seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God set your affection on things above not on the things of the earth for you are dead and your life is hid in Christ in God when Christ who is our life shall appear then ye shall appear with him in glory Shall I go on? Anybody need some more encouragement? You don't know who you are? How about John 15 and 5? I am the vine, you are the branch, Tim Lot. But if you abide in me, and, and, and we're abiding together, let me tell you something the same brings forth much fruit. For without me, Tim, you can do nothing. That's my identity. You want to know my identity? John 1 and 12 says, But as many as received him, to them gave him the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believes on his name. Shoot. I'll pull some scripture. Pull up these scriptures for me. Pull up Romans 8, 14 through 17, so you can read it with me. And then we'll go to verse 37 through 39. Is that all right? Here's what it says. We got it? For as many... As are led by the Spirit of God, these are the, or daughters, means the children of God. For you did not receive a spirit of bondage, again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. So when God saved me, all of a sudden he said, from now on you can call me Dad. Tim, from now on, just call me dad. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our Spirit, then we are the children of God. Verse 17. And if children, then look at that person beside you and say, You got no idea how big your inheritance is. You got no idea how big your inheritance is. You see people in this old world getting little cars or getting a house or getting something that's going to be rusted and wore out in about 20 years. But I'm telling you what, he says, I've got something for you. You're an heir to my throne. And I just happen to be the king of the universe. I just happen to speak things into existence that are not and they can be. Things that you dig the bones up right now, I called them by name. I formed them and fashioned them. And if you're children and you're heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, that's my brother. He's my Savior, he's my Master, but he's also my brother. And me and him, I know it sounds crazy. whatever inheritance he had coming, I have coming. We're joint heirs. He didn't say, Jesus gets it and then he's going to give you a little bit. No, he said, when we walk in that room one day, the Father will say, These are my sons and these are my daughters. Do you see it? If indeed you suffer with Him, that we may also be glorified together. Go to verse 37 through 39. I can do this all day. I can do this all day long. Yet in all these things we are more than... Think of the worst thing you're going through. Think of the worst situation. Think of the worst family deal you've got going on right now. And can I tell you something that you maybe don't know? In every single thing that this world can throw against you, in every circumstance, you are more than a conqueror. Did you know that? Before you put all your information on Facebook and told everybody how bad it was, did you also put down there, oh, but I just want you all to know in closing, don't worry about me. Because when it's all said and done, I'm going to repost something and you're going to be shocked at how good it's going to get. That's what he's saying. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's my inheritance. That's who I am. So when I look at you and I say, do y'all realize how good looking I am? Do you understand that I'm not talking about my outside? I'm getting gray, old, wrinkly. Paul had a statement for that too. He thought he was good looking. He said, while this outer man is dying a little more every day, he said, my inner man is getting better looking every day. He's getting stronger every day. He's getting more youthful every day. See, if you're living by this world and you're, you're looking in the mirror and you're saying, oh, man, I'm just getting, I'm, getting a rank on it. I'm looking in the mirror every day and say, man, I'm looking more like Jesus. I'm getting stronger. and be-. You know, it's hard to believe, Kenneth. I am a better minister now than I was 20-something years ago. I pray better now than I did then. How can that be? Because the spiritual world doesn't work like the physical world. That's why us old spiritual people, we look at our young people and we like, if I could put me inside of your body, it would be dangerous. Wouldn't it? Some of us older timers, they we're like, if I could take, if I could just do, if I had the energy again and had brains like I have now. But it took all those years to transform what was on the inside. But the good news is we don't fight physical battles, so. As we're getting weaker physically, it don't matter because we're still winning bigger spiritual battles. We're winning bigger battles. So, number three, never let your credit card out of your sight. Always reminding yourself who you are. Pull it out every now and then. Ooh, look at that, boy, I got an unlimited credit. Stick it back in. Don't don't lose it. I got a blank check. God said, ask whatever you will to you. Ooh, better hang on to that thing. Just want to look at it every now and then. I just like to pull it out. Realize I'm a gold member. I like it. I'm platinum. Number four, take your name then off the marketer's list. Remember what it says? Take your name off the marketer's hit list. It says, in in addition, I love how it said it here. It says, in addition to the National Do Not Call Registry. I didn't know there was a such thing as a Do Not Call Registry. But there is. And I'm thinking, that's in the spirit. Man, I just, I, I got up from my desk when I was reading that in my office. And I started to do, I mean, I wanted to do cartwheels. I'm thinking, I have a Do Not Call list in the spirit. Devil, don't call me. We don't have nothing to talk about. We have nothing in common. We have, so, so he says, not only take them off the marketer's hit list, but be more defensive with your personal information. Let me give it to you in the spirit. Satan will attack you. That's his job. He's after your identity. Quit having conversations with him. When you pull up that, that phone and it says... Oh, right here. I just got a message. It says there's a car that somebody's gave me, and it's in New Mexico right now. Brand new car. I won, And all I got to do is send them $400 right now. If I just send them $400 on this PayPal, they'll ship that new car to me. How many of you idiots would sue that? None of you. Then why, knowing what you know, when the devil comes along and says, Hey, if you just do that, I'll give you something really good. Why are you having conversations? Why? You're not getting a new car. You're going to lose the $400. You're not getting a new car. You might get on Channel 3 News when they're talking about scam artists and say, Here, we're going to interview Tim Lott. He was the latest of a scam. Can you tell us what happened? Yeah. I just gave $400 away. Number five. Monitor your credit card. Review your credit card statements carefully. Let me give it to you in the spiritual. Search to see if something isn't right with your credit. David said, search me, O Lord, and see if there be anything that's not right inside of me. If, if you've if you got a Credit card statement come in your mail, and you 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 know you you use it every now and then. It's got a couple hundred dollars, you know, whatever on it, three hundred or something. Use it for emergency, and all of a sudden the it comes in next month and it says you owe three thousand five hundred and forty-seven dollars. Would you not look through it and check it and think what in the world, or would you just say, oh well, I guess I owe three thousand. Which one would you do? You would check it. And when it said, in San Diego, California, you just bought a motorcycle, you would would call the credit card company you would say, look, I have no idea what just happened, but somebody charged something on my credit card that was not me. This needs to be corrected and fixed. In the Spirit, God says, let me search you. If there's something in you that's messing up your credit then let's correct it. Let's fix it. Now I'm going to give it to you in two stories very quickly. I only got about 10 minutes. Is it okay if I do that very quickly? First is in the book of Numbers. And the Numbers chapter 13 and 14. This is a story of Joshua and Caleb that we know it, but it's really the story of identity. It's the story of identity. Identity. Moses has has led the children of Israel through ten plagues in Egypt. God, by a mighty hand, has delivered them. He didn't just deliver them. He tricked Pharaoh into chasing them down to the Red Sea. and Pharaoh's like, I'm going to get them back. And God opens the Red Sea. They walk to the other side. And when Pharaoh's chariots start to come across, he closes it back on them, killing. They sing songs, write musicals about how Pharaoh's army drowns. They go through a desert and they think they're going to die there, but God gives them manna. God turns bitter water sweet. God has birds fall. I mean, anything and everything. God just does miracle after miracle. Water coming out of a rock to show them His power. And it gets to the time, it's time to go to Canaan. By now, you should know your identity. By now, you should know who you are in me. So he tells Moses, Moses, Pick the leaders. I love how he says this. Don't just pick pick the leaders of each tribe. Two. Leaders. This is the people that's going to lead. These are are the, the ones that are the biggest talkers, the ones everybody else is following. Send them into Canaan so they can scout out the land that I've given you. He didn't say scout out the land to see if you could. Scout out the land which I have already given you. All of them come back. Ten of them say, we can't. We saw the giants, the sons of Anak. We saw the Amalekites. We saw all the different walled cities. And we are as grasshoppers in their sight. That's their identity. We cannot do it. We are not able. But they were never able to begin with. That was never the point. Their identity was supposed to be in God. And only two people understood that. Joshua and Caleb steeled the people and they said, we are well able. And I love how Joshua says it. If God is for us, we can do this. Don't be discouraged. Don't be fearful. Let's go now. Let's go right now. Let's just, these people are like meat for us. Just don't be afraid. But they said no. They were so distraught, they were fixing to take a vote to whether they could find a new leader to send them back to Egypt. Because that was their identity. Let's just go back to Egypt. Let's just go back to where it used to be. In the middle of your trial, in the middle of your circumstance, in the middle of your difficulty, the enemy will try to remind you of who your identity is. And God will try to remind you of who your identity is supposed to be. Every story in the Bible is the same battle. Daniel is told, do not pray. Because you that's not really God, I'm God. And if you pray to Him, I'm going to have you killed. That's just identity battle. Daniel, you have to make a choice. Are you going to accept the identity that you're just a slave here in Babylon, that that's all you'll ever be? Is that your identity, Daniel? You just have to do what the king tells you to do, and is that going to be your identity? Or are you going to say, even though I may be in bondage, and even though physically I may be a slave, and even though physically I may be in Babylon, spiritually I know who I am. Whether it's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, whether it's a prophet of old, who it doesn't matter who you choose or who you pick. Whether it's Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, it doesn't matter. They all have to face the same battle. Now let me show it to you in the New Testament. There's a beautiful story, and it's in the book of Luke. Luke, the 7th chapter, in verse 36 through 50. Will you pull that up? And I'm going to read that. and I'm going to carry it a little, a little deeper. I wish I had time to go through the whole story of Joshua and Caleb and really break that, but I'd take a whole nother week. Then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. This is Jesus being invited to a very prominent man's house, very important man, someone who has an identity. I'm a Pharisee. I'm somebody. I'm one of God's favorites. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner. Look at the person beside you and say, she was a sinner. Nobody argued this. Nobody was debating this. Even Jesus does not argue this. She had an identity. Her identity walking into that room was, you're a messed up lady. You are one. You have earned a reputation all over town. This is your identity. And Behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil and stood at his feet behind him weeping. And she began to wash his feet with her tears and wipe them with the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed him with a fragrant oil. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he spoke to himself saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a... Look at the person beside you and say she has an identity. Every one of you in this room had an identity or has an identity the devil still wants to tell you that's who you are. That's who you will always be. You can't change it. You're stuck with it. No use in fighting it. Even a Pharisee, even a good church person will tell you that. A lot of times, you ever see people walk into church sometimes and people look at them like, ooh, you know who that is? That's so-and-so's daughter. What? I thought they died. You Anybody know what I'm saying? You walk into a room and you've got an identity. She's been stuck with this identity from the moment she made mistakes in her life. She sinned. It's not making excuses. She was a sinner. She made choices. She thought the choices would bring her happiness. They did not bring her happiness. They brought her misery. And now she hears of Jesus. And there's nothing she can find in the physical that will fix it. There's nothing she can find in her world that will fix it. No one will forgive her. No one will let her off. No one's ever going to tell her that's not who she is. Everybody, including the church people, speak up loudly and say, this is who she is. And Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. So he said, teacher, say on. There's a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed him 500 denarii and another 50. Big difference between 500 and 50. And when when they had nothing to which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which one of them will love him the more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one who he forgave most. And he said to him, you have rightly judged. Then he turned to the woman and said to her, Do you see this woman? I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet. But she washed my feet with her tears and wiped it with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet from the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. I'll transform her. I'll rename her. I'll give her a fresh start. Old things for her will pass away and everything's fixing to become new. She is fixing to become a new creation. Therefore I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Then he said to her, "Your sins are forgiven." Your sins are forgiven. But you don't know what I don't need you to list them. I know them. But 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 they're gone. Gone. And those who sat at table with him began to say to themselves, Who is this who can forgive sin? Who is it that can give somebody a new identity? See, when we think of sins, we think of just the things we did wrong. When we think of sin, it's just something we did bad. But I'm going to tell you what sin is. Sin is the the transition of your identity. The broad way to tell it is you are a sinner. You can narrow it down by as Paul's lists in Galatians and Corinthians and others, and you can narrow it down to you're a whoremonger and this, and you're an adulteress and you're a fornicator. You can list it there. But ultimately, it all comes out as one simple label. You are a sinner. You failed. You chose wrong. You messed it up. Then he said to the woman, When they said, who has the power to do this? He looks at her one more time and he says, listen to me. Your faith has saved you. That's what being saved is. Being saved is not me checking a box and me getting to go back and continue my sinning. Salvation is someone who has the ability to blot out the sin And to give me a different life. To change my identity. And then he says the same thing to her that he wants to say to every person in this room. If you'll let him. Your faith has saved you. Now go in peace. There's nothing between us. I'm not mad at you. I'm not upset at you. We're good. Because if you love much, you're forgiven much. So when somebody says, Pastor Lot, why do you do all that you do? Why do you care? Why are you crying right now? I'm going to tell you why. Because none of you will ever know, will ever realize, will ever grasp, how much sin he had to forgive in my life. You will never fathom. Only he does. And because he did and looked at me and said, Tim, I know it all. And I'm like, if you know it all, then you know I'm the last person you need to be around. He said, Tim, if you'll have faith in me, And you'll love me. I can forgive everything. And I'm living proof that when you choose to love much, there's no limit to His forgiveness. In fact, He gives a scripture for it. Where sin abound. I mean, He didn't say where you sin. He said where sin abound. Grace did much more about and I will spend the rest of my life wiping his feet with my tears and using whatever I've got to lift him and praise him and honor him because none of you in this room will ever know what he brought me from And if I ever bump into somebody who loves Him that way, then I can look at them and smile because I know, you know what I know. That you got forgiven by a bunch of stuff too, didn't you? And it made all the difference in our lives. But if you have a hard time loving, it's because in your mind you think there really wasn't a whole lot to forgive. He just had to just rub a little smudge off you. Me, I had to have the Clorox. The long cycle, deep water. A lot of washing. A couple times through. Until he said, Look, Tim, it's just like new. And I'll spend the rest of my life honoring him for that. I owe him everything. Will you stand?